0: you <music> Let's go.
1: What's up, everybody? Welcome to Binchtown TV. This is Brian here with Kyle, Dave, Luke, and I'm Kathleen. Doug. And today we're continuing our Rooks and Vets coverage of Sci Fi's The Magician Season 5. And this is how it works two of us have not seen the show before, the rest of us have, and we talk about it. That's the premise of Rooks and Vets. And today we're on episode three of, like I said, The Magician Season 5, The Mountain of Ghosts. And another good episode, Magician Season 5, just rolling along. Um, Who's cutting onions? Honestly, with this Alice and Elliot <laughs> scene. Like.
2: Truly. It's some of the best acting I've seen on this show. Uh, this one may take the cake. I've never seen Elliot... I don't know if it was because he's just on screen way more than normal, but he was... Killing it this whole episode, so vulnerable the entire time, just in a way that I've never seen him before. Obviously, in specific moments, I have, but not for a full episode of just hit, hit, hit. And then Olivia being his scene partner, just the emotions. I cannot wait until we dive into that storyline.
3: Doesn't line. it feel like we don't even get? elliot and alice one-on-one ever this feels like it was yeah. the first true time that it was only their dialogue going back and forth and i kind of like their dynamic oh it's like good they're both very like you know elliot's elliot's very quick when it comes to social cues and stuff like that and then alice is just quick in general with her knowledge and it's just funny to see them go back and forth because they always have something to say back to each other
4: Yeah, I'm glad that we finally get to dive into the Alice and Elliot relationship, because in season one, when she's first brought onto campus and Elliot kind of gives her a hard time, like that interaction that they had early on was always so funny. So I'm glad that we get to see them dive into it. Maybe not as in a more comedic situation, but at least they're together. So I'm just happy to see that.
5: I finished the episode like, I don't know, maybe 20 minutes ago and my cheeks are still wet. What an unbelievable episode. I said it In our group chat, possibly recency bias, hot take, but I think this episode is top five all time for me, The Magicians, so far, of every episode I've seen.
3: And I'm really happy that the writers, I brought this up on the last podcast episode, but they did not move on from Quentin's death quick at all. And I think it's super deserved because the writers are so aware of how important Quentin Coldwater is to the story and all of our favorite characters, that the fact that they were willing to spend three of the 13 episodes cleaning up the residual feelings of what's happened with quentin's death is is awesome to me and you don't really see that in a lot of shows usually after episode one maybe two they're not even going to bring up the character again but i really like that about mountain of ghosts
1: and i think this was an important one too especially when you consider that alice and elliot were the two romantic interests of q so these are the two that probably had the most intense grieving processes or would be grieving him the hardest so the fact that they went on this grieving journey together i i think it was just a really good way to do the episode and it seems like luke you said three of the 13 episodes were committed to people just like being sad about q it seems like we're wrapping up that part of the season and getting on to you know tackling some of these other plot lines like the apocalypse
5: Mm -hmm. yeah i will say that this episode has everything that makes this show so good you know, we have, they're pulling at our heartstrings. They're making us laugh at fucking Fensicle Wahlberger. You know, then now like we're getting a new plot device where the end of the world is coming and our heroes need to save it. So it's just, I just really like this episode
3: and I can't wait to talk about it. All we were missing was a little Todd and Dean Fogg.
5: Oh yeah, don't get me started on my boy Todd. We'll talk about that later.
2: All right, before we uh, jump in, should I read the description? It is Elliot and Alice go for a hike. Fen gets a haircut.
5: What an understatement.
0: (laughs) So
3: like always, we like to bucket our podcast episodes by characters and plot lines. So it's not feeling like we're jumping back and forth all over the place. So for this episode, our three buckets are going to be following Alice and Elliot's storyline on the mountain, Penny and Julia's storyline looking into what's causing the resurgence of magic all around the world. The last one will just be the Fenn, Josh, and Margot storyline that revolve around the tournament in Fillory. But to get us there, we're going to need to go through one or two scenes that prelude all these. All right, Kathleen, <clears throat> take us through the intro.
2: All right. So for a very just overall emotional episode, opening with this scene of Alice and Q, this is a scene that we've got before. It's it's it, There's nothing new in this scene. It's just a conversation they're having at the end of season four about being a team and oh my God, seeing his face. And when they sprinkle him talking throughout the episode, it's like a jab in the heart. So this was a really strong way to open it. I love that hot pink outfit that Alice is wearing. I loved it last season. I fucking love it now. But it's a dream sequence. And she wakes up and at the end of the dream, Q's not there and she gets woken up from crazy texts from fucking Stephanie saying, water the garden. And the last one says, "Uh, use sunscreen, dear. Your skin needs all the help it could get. (laughs) Which you could just hear Stephanie saying.
1: How dare they, for how emotional this episode is other than this, how dare they just bring back this scene and get us crying from scene one? What a beautiful scene to bring back, though. And Stephanie, you're ridiculous. Alice has notoriously beautiful skin. So (laughs) what are you talking about, Steph?
5: (laughs) B. Tom's covered my point of how dare they do this to us. And especially how dare they do this and not include the touching butts line. I know. Uh, That was a little bit of a heartbreaker for me. But I will say that I was right about we're going to see Q in a flashback. That's how we're going to see him this season. So uh, I'll chalk that up as a little Rook W for his B times.
1: (laughs) It was really nice to see Jason Ralph, period, even if we had already seen that clip before. But I just love him so much. But moving on, she goes out to water these plants and all the plants are just dying around kind of this spirit cloud looking thing. And she... Just doesn't know what the hell's going on. Well, she does because she immediately digs up the vial and apparently Q's soul essence has not completely gone to rest yet. It's bleak. Yeah. <laughs>
2: that is dark. It's really dark. So now we know like Alice has to take that essence. But moving on, Margot, Josh, Fen, and Elliot. We have a few conversations happening here. Fen and Josh are just chugging champagne. Margot and Elliot have a pretty good conversation here about the fact that at the end of episode two, we do get Finn and Josh back, but it's not from the letter that Margot wrote. She was going a whole different direction. Elliot, so fucking smart, was the one to tell the clock guy to send us 300 years in the future. And Margot doesn't want to take that W because she didn't do it. And Elliot's like, bitch, like, ovary up. Let's have this not be uncomplicated. Just take the win and we'll move on. We talked a lot of shit
3: on Elliot. In the last episode with his scenes between him and Margot, saying that he was being a little insensitive and dumb about the whole giving up on their friends idea when in the back of his head, he went ahead with his own plan and actually saved the whole day. So I think we all need to give Elliot a little bit of credit here because he definitely he definitely pulled some strings.
5: Yeah, I've, I'm honest. You just explained that scene to me, Kathleen, because I was a little confused why Margot was being so against them like being cool with her you know i was like why is she harping on this point so much
2: i love the margot josh and Fen stuff this episode not only is it really funny but the end is really intense and you get a lot of fucking feelings from all three of them it's it's good stuff
1: aside from the takers showing up i feel like fillery under the rule of josh of fresh prince would have been a great fillery to live in so fun But yeah, I don't know. This is a little bit messed up. I see where Margot's coming from, that she feels uncomfortable just like taking this W. Are, Are we only learning about it this episode? Or did they tell us last episode that Elliot was the one that saved it? Like really saved them?
2: We're finding out this episode.
1: Okay, gotcha.
2: Yeah, you guys didn't miss anything. You're good.
1: Cool. So after that conversation with Margot and Elliot, we have Alice walking in looking like a goth survivalist and Elliot's <laughs> like, all right, what what are you doing trying to just scamper through that clock? Hold the phone here, girl, because she has fumbled too many bags to just let her do her own thing. And I love her response. She says, I did a thing. This is the byproduct. I'm taking care of it because how many times has that happened? Some person off screen does some wacky ass shit and they just have to deal with the baggage.
5: So I said that I wrote down that that's literally the story of Alice Quinn's life is that I did a thing. I just have to take care of it. I'm fine. I just have to do this alone.
1: You know, Elliot won't let it be that easy for her. So she has to reveal she made Q's Gollum used the book used his soul essence. And now like Elliot's just like, well, can Q rest easy because they would both be really distraught with the fact that Q might just be not able to rest in peace. RIP So Alice tells him that her plan was to bring the vial to this mountain of ghosts, which is part of Valorian lore. It was in the books and it was Rupert was looking for it before the band of aggressive talking squirrels kidnapped him. <laughs> I love when they just quote the actual books of Villary.
5: And finally Elliot's reading them.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. One, have you, one of you called true. that.
5: We got on him last episode about it. Yeah. I just love how worried both of them were. b times you kind of touched on it a little bit there, but how they were both like, oh my God, is he resting easy? Like Elliot got super flustered very quickly. I just love that side of him.
2: Right out of the gate, these two have this insane chemistry. It's so incredible. The way Elliot's face turns when she says it's a part of him, like part of his soul. He's like, are you crazy bitch? Like, no, (laughs) damn. But you know it's bad when like, Elliot doesn't trust Alice to do it right. You're both kind of two hot messes. You both keep fucking things up all the time. It's an it's definitely an interesting combination of the two of them.
3: All right. So this is where our group ends up splitting up and we're going to just take it bucket by bucket because we'll come back to this part when we when we go through Margot, Josh and Fen storyline, because it also takes off from here. But we're going to get in all of our opinions, probably the most boring of the episode out of the way. First, we're going to go through all the Penny and Julia stuff. So we're going to temporarily step away from Marina slash Katie's apartment, which where the hell was Katie this episode?
5: I know. I, I did. I watched like a millisecond of episode three and she's in the yeah. first scene. Yeah. So happy about that. I did the
1: same thing. She's Actually, got a big
2: episode forgot.
3: in four. All right. So our first scene with Penny and Julia is they're both in the library and Penny's doing all of his research. I think he's still looking into the radio the signal, signal that makes him travel when he doesn't want to. That plot's going to be put to the side for this episode. They're going to focus on Julia's quest, which we kind of haven't gotten too much past Kyle, what's his name? Sir Hargrave McGrubbins McCuppin.
5: <laughs> I, I, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. had a lot going on.
3: is what I was getting at. But anyway, so they put that aside and Julia needs Penny to travel her somewhere where they can continue this line of investigation. And where they end up going is to a replica building of the physical kid's cottage, which... As you could tell, is an illusion by an ex-Break Bill student who we quickly find out her name is Zoe Marcus. Zoe Marcus. So Julia wants to talk to her because her sister Daniela has a foresight ability, basically. She was
1: she was the author of the book that Alice's father's friend wrote who had predicting circumstances that's her discipline so they're looking for this woman Daniela, to assist them in predicting when these surges are going to come into a head trying to predict when the apocalypse is going to be essentially
2: I like the line from Zoe where she says she did a study that magicians are 23% more accurate when they're drinking.
3: <laughs>
5: <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense. They drink a lot in this show.
3: That's <laughs> just like a typical the magicians just throwaway line. They just put in there, you know, that just feels like the show. I feel like Al- I mean, Alice
5: drinks, but doesn't drink that much, you know, so I wonder if Alice got onto like Elliot's level how good of a magician she would be.
4: <laughs> you got Elliot, Dean Fogg. You got uh, Mayakovsky. Like those guys definitely perform when having a few drinks. The That's first cool. scene is just like them meeting Zoe. Zoe's really nice. Mm. And then as soon as they bring up Daniela, she gets all weird and is like, eh, you can wait, you can stay here as long as you like, but I'm like, I'm not going to help you for mm-hmm. now.
1: But Daniela was in the background cloaking herself. So she heard the whole conversation, but Zoe was the one that decisively declined helping.
3: And she was cloaking herself Alice style, right? With phosphoromancy. Yeah,
1: and that's, fantasy, yes.
3: That's pretty cool because Alice is a true physical kid and belongs in the physical cottage. So that's kind of cool that Daniela also fits into that category too.
2: The next scene, Penny is getting his patch redone by Professor Lipson. And she's listening to their conversation about Zoe Marcus Lipson says, she was my lab partner. And I know Kyle loved this line when he said, oh, my God, we draw so much acid together. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
5: Lipson's all, Lipson also looking great in this scene, making me always. question my BKM, whatever, ruling from last episode. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> so this is where we learned that there was a third sister. And yeah. there was rumors that they had averted an apocalypse in senior year. So depending on how old they are, that's how long ago the last apocalypse was supposed to happen. ago. And then Beth got killed during this whole thing. So.
5: And there's a seemingly throwaway line, but it's not. I, I don't know how important it will end up being when they say that Zoe is really into what, like financials and financial markets. And Lipson kind of says that's weird because she wasn't into any of that stuff when we were in
3: school. Mm. Can we coin a couple is names they- for Penny and Julia? Is it, is it Puglia? Jenny? Um, I like Jenny.
2: <laughs> Jenny, people are gonna be so confused. Like, who the fuck is Jenny?
5: (laughs) (laughs) I like Jenny a
1: lot. Jenny twenty
3: three.
2: Yeah, Jenny
1: twenty three. Yeah, that's the winner. (laughs)
0: So
3: Jenny twenty three, after talking to Lips and heads back to talk with Daniela and Zoe again. And Zoe is absolutely mad that they're there. She wants nothing to do with this because she starts talking about the sister that died in the past, saying, "We already saved the world. We get to be done." And that's a really fucking cool quote. Because that goes to show you that while our main characters are these eight or nine people we're, we're through these five seasons with, and they, they are constantly saving the world, other magicians can be doing the same thing off screen and we see nothing about it. That's just such a cool concept because everybody has magic. So everybody be doing crazy shit in their own universes. neither The Netherlands is infinite. Like, that's just a really cool line. I'll take a prequel season.
2: That was very well put and interesting.
4: Got a feel for them, though, in the sense that if you save the world once and then you're being called upon to save the world again, they went through so much and then they're about to be thrown back into it. It's like, who the fuck wants to do that? You guys handle this shit, you know?
5: And it is a good point. And Penny agrees with it in the next scene. I mean, the next time we see uh, Jenny 23 is they're kind of talking about that quote itself. And Penny admits hourly Like, I honestly agree with her. Like, I understand, Julia, that you want to do this and save the world. And we've done this before. But at some point, like I want to have a normal life and I want to do it with you. But if you don't want to do that, then that's okay. We just need to talk about that.
3: And
4: Yeah, that was a great
5: interaction
3: between them I, I want to ask you guys, the Rooks, we've been talking about Penny and Julia and how it's a little bit of a weird interaction that they have going on, but there was no material on those two last episodes. So now that we actually have Julia saying she wants to live a normal life with Penny after all this is done, how is that sitting with you? You guys still weird, right?
1: i don't think it's gonna happen yeah it's still a little weird i don't know i mean the whole penny and julia that's like a bizarre ship from the beginning maybe it's just because i'm team jd 40 but like or paydy 40 paydy 40 (laughs) yeah (laughs) mixed up my letters there but i don't know so few shows do people get to live happily ever after i don't see it for penny 23
4: And it's weird that he's referencing that to live a normal life because one, he's a traveler. So that already makes him unique in the magician's world. And two, Julia used to be a goddess, like, you know, whatever her deal is. So how could you expect things go back to normal when you both are just so unique in this world?
2: Yeah, let me just say, I don't think Julia agrees that she's down with that. Does she?
3: Yeah, she says, that's what I want, too. When he said that after all this is done, like, I want to live a normal life with you.
2: I don't remember that i only remember him saying it and her just being like i maybe i just what i was re- typing when that happened
5: my penny yeah. penny questions her penny kind of questions her you know resolve to that statement
3: but she does say it.
5: i believe so
1: yeah. regardless their conversation about living happily ever after is cut short by daniella who arrives saying that she has the solution to julia's problem they kind of learn that these surges are unpredictable like you literally cannot predict them. But what you can do is create a statistical model to predict a window in which the surge might occur. Uh, so and then they start diving into this concept of the harmonic convergence, which was a really cool thing they brought up. It's only happened four times at the extinction of the dinosaurs, Pompeii, the sinking of Atlantis and the fourth and favorite, the invention of auto tune. Like, so the fuck? good. But essentially, this harmonic convergence is a rare and powerful astrological occurrence, and it's a magnifier of magic. So it's just this huge thing. And, you know, she used the harmonic convergence to predict circumstances. Everything's going to line up exceptionally favorably, uh, which in this case is going to be a bad thing because they think it's going to be the apocalypse surge.
3: At minimum, they said like millions of people will die unless you can get everyone in the world to stop, to not do magic or something along those lines, basically saying that the world's kind of fucked. Yeah. Okay. I just got to put it out there. Harmonic convergence is the best thing ever. Yeah. Just so you guys know.
5: Do we have any, oh, uh, man. legend of Korra fans in the audience? Yes, sir. Yeah. Season two. That's all what season two is about. The harmonic yeah, convergence. Har- yeah.
4: 10,000 years. I was going to say something about that too. Cause I was, I don't know why Cora was trending on Twitter today. So I was like reading up on what people had to say on it. We're getting is, off topic. Here, is it the but... same
3: thing? Like all the bending is just amplified.
5: Uh, it's more about the spirit world, basically. Like yeah. the the poles connect, and then a, a portal opens to the spirit world, and the avatar's job is basically to go in there. Well, Korra's job essentially is to go in there and Close. battle gotcha. the evil spirit Vatu. Yeah,
1: it's good uh, are say. we an avatar podcast? <laughs> and if we're not, <laughs> can we be?
5: Yeah, <laughs> maybe. yeah,
2: yeah. I'll be a rook. Oh
1: yeah,
5: I, do, you I just do like the the quote that Danny says. When she's talking about either what you stop people from doing magic or she said you change astrology, which Mm -hmm. is
3: what I think that left on a cliffhanger purposefully because this is some, you know, main theme of the season going on. So I think that's the last thing we get for this storyline. If anyone has any wrap up thoughts, we can move on.
5: I will just say that we did it in the storylines in their own order but in the the chronological order of the episode this scene comes right after the big like Alice and Elliot like emotional scene and then they just drop the auto-tune joke and I'm just shaking my head like this fucking show never lets up <laughs> 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 she also says my sister will invoice you for my time so I'm yeah. curious to see what that dab comes out to be <laughs> yeah that bill
2: they're gonna have to rob another bank another I'm heist I'm in I'm a mess I'm
3: such a wreck.
1: Hey Geekscapists, with Valentine's Day around the corner, we've decided to hook you up. Geekscape has partnered with the video dating app, Filter Off, to bring you a free and fun video speed dating event on Saturday, February 13th. To take part, all you've got to do is download the Filter Off dating app to your smartphone. Find the Geekscape event and RSVP with the code GeeksLove2. That's T-O-O, because we do love to. You don't have to wait until Valentine's to use the app either. It's fun and free and Matt Kelly has already racked up a ton of dates on it. So what have you got to lose? Download Filter Off and we'll see you on February 13th. Geekscape forever.
2: Next, we've got Margot Fenn and Josh. And this is in the beginning of the episode before they get to Fillory. Fenn looks at Josh when they're in the kitchen and she says something like, uh, I think we should tell her. And I this is my now third time seeing this episode ever. And I completely forgot about what it was. When I watched it on Friday for the second time, I was like, wait, what, what is that? And boys, did you catch on to that line?
1: I mean, I'm saying right now I did not catch on to that in real time, but it makes sense because we do know what it's alluding to.
5: I caught the line, had no clue what was coming.
3: That feels almost unguessable, too. And I love that, yeah.
5: that totally. twist.
1: Yeah.
2: You wouldn't even remember it until you watch it the second time around being like, oh, there it is. Mm-hmm. They need to get back to Fillory. Uh, but Margot has the banishment brands. Josh says, like, is it spring yet? And then Finn says, yellow ferret month. Yes. (laughs) He goes over to Margo and says, look,
4: have you seen the dirty dozen? No, not the porn.
2: (laughs) So to solve this problem, because it is the spring, Josh remembers that when he was the king, the fresh prince, he created an annual tournament to find the 12 greatest fighters in the land um, to become the elite centurion guard, which is just a, Funny little magicians wrap up like, hey, when I was in charge, I did this thing for fame and glory. And it's an instant wipe clean of your criminal record, including banishment marks.
1: There's always a solution for the magician. Sometimes it's easier than others, but there's always one solution that they can that they can go for. I love it. Shout
5: out shout out to homie Josh for the, uh, the forward thinking.
2: Nothing quite like. Screams the magicians than when Alice and Elliot are about to go on the thing and they see the the sign that says Beyond the Wall Adventure Tour.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's actually a really good point. <laughs> yeah. And that'll fast forward us to the tournament where Margot, Fen, and Josh are there and they're being checked in by Bick of the esteemed house of Tickwick. Mm-hmm. Big Tickwick. I fucking love the Tickwicks.
2: Pickwicks, Pickwicks. Yeah,
1: I was gonna just say, yeah, it. it's it's Pickwicks. Pick oh my gosh, yeah, the Pickwicks. It's Tick Pickwick. Pick Wick. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: So Tick came to the future like with the time yeah. dwarf. So he time jumped, meaning he got someone pregnant and ditched, right? Or else how else would they have that that line of carried on?
1: Well, they're a family, yeah. right? There could have been other yeah. people in the line.
0: Yeah, I guess. Cousins. I like to think that
3: he just ditched out on the baby mama.
1: Okay, so anyway, Bick, <laughs> Bick. Hold up. big yeah. Wick is checking them in, and they need names and their weapon of choice. So this is where we get Margot is going to be entering this tournament under the name Janet Plachinsky, and her weapon <laughs> of choice is me, but she also likes axes. <laughs> and then we get Fen, who we didn't know was going to be entering, but she's a surprise entrance, and she's going to be operating under the name fen <laughs> Wallburger, and her weapon of choice is knives of course you know her old child's play knives which she gets real creepy and it's just like you know knives they give to kids so they can cut things
3: and oh, for those keeping them. score i think that is the third time Marco uses the name janet throughout the mm-hmm. series which is awesome that's an ode to her character in the book who is actually named janet
2: janet pluchinski first time we hear the last name actually which is interesting i have the little nods
5: I just absolutely love Fensicle Wahlberger. Yeah, <laughs> what a moment! Them. Yeah,
2: she is the most whimsical character of them all. She really is. She's just a bucket of fun. She really, she's the best. So, her, just how she is in
3: real life too about the show just makes her so much better.
1: That brings us to it's a different scene, but it's just Josh and Margot, and Margot is just kind of like getting ready for the tournament, practicing, and she's all pissed off uh, because she can't cast sings advanced skin hardening and she's getting eaten alive by bugs too she's like real moody we can already see and josh is just like uh you know what margo let me let me just go check on something real quick and that'll bring us to another scene where it's josh coming back and we get the knowledge that there's a double full moon tomorrow so that means i want to murder everything or have more than
5: than usual (laughs) 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 i love i mean the better line in that scene for me is fuck breathing. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, just breathe, just breathe. Fuck, fuck breathing. breathing.
2: I'm too annoyed to breathe. And <laughs> smacks Josh in the ass with the with the ax and it's like, but I love you anyway <laughs> or like you anyway. Oh, thanks for the cheerleading, wolf boy.
3: <laughs> I like that they say uh, she's just wolf PMSing. And that's yeah. basically yeah. what it is. She's just getting amped up because this new moon is or these double full moons is going to happen the next day but she, that takes us to our next scene
1: where we that have, she yeah, does go. get the skin hardening spell to work on only the left side of her body.
2: Yeah she's so raspy and plays this so well. she's so aggressive I I love just her little subtle changes. She's the coolest no one is so like in their character than Margot. Margot is unapologetically herself all the time it's Mm -hmm. fucking awesome so our next
3: scene is the actual tournament itself this is the beginning and it's pretty epic it doesn't it doesn't last too long but we have janet and fensicle just slaying out the first couple rounds they're both just honestly margo intimidates like three people to just forfeiting right away and fen is just a savage she's like actually stabbing people and drawing blood like she's just awesome she's
4: slicing achilles tendons yeah, what yeah we've seen God. Fen in action before, so this doesn't come as too much as a surprise, but she's a fucking daughter of a, what is it called
3: again? Master, Blade, Ma- uh, Master Ma- Blacksmith, um, right?
4: Yeah, Master Blacksmith, exactly. So she's got those skills needed, but when Margot fucking blocks the sword for the first time and then that dude just runs off, it's so dope. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: A great line that I love is when Margot looks at Josh and says, We've been wasting her, right? right.
5: Yeah. <laughs> I think that was uh, like the conversation the writers had.
2: Yeah. Truly, they're wasting her in like a she could fight for us and and general as a character on the show for four seasons now. But and that's what Kyle
3: said it. last podcast episode and talked about that, saying that Q's absence and B-Toms even chimed in saying, you know, we, we had a lot of voided targets, so they had to go somewhere. And then Fenn has absolutely stepped up in the, in the early in the season. So she's killing it.
1: So Janet and Fensicle both breeze to... <laughs> You know, it's they're looking for a dozen people that easily make the top 12. So they're about to join the Centurion Guard. But obviously, apparently, Falorian law dictates that there can only be one female member of the Centurion Guard. So now Margot and Fenn will have to fight tomorrow during the, the double full moon, which Margot is like, oh, I can't go. But then Fenn starts to sweat a little bit, too. And Margot's like, and apparently Fenn can't come either. I don't know why, though. This is where the knowledge drops.
3: This is a good twist.
2: Great it's twist.
5: So crazy. My notes are just in all caps with like a million exclamation points at this point.
2: I'm so happy for Fen because, as much as we give Elliot props for his sex abilities, I know he wasn't treating her right. I hope Josh did it good that six seven six a dozen <laughs> times <laughs> whatever they say she
1: goes from six or seven to less than a dozen <laughs> give or take
3: do we have any idea of how long they were there was that specified because it had to have changed constantly <clears> every <throat> time they used jane's equipment because it was affecting the timelines right so there's not really a way to to tell how how elliot saved the day right like we we don't know how how long they were rulers
0: yeah
2: yeah I don't know, but the fensicle, what is your persuasion? I mostly date humans. Just kill me. It's so funny. I mostly so date good. humans. Mostly.
5: <laughs> Dude, Big Pickwick is fucking funny, man. I mean, he's like, you know, he's just a sexist piece of shit, basically. But his lines and then the reaction they get is a great part of this episode.
2: So it is the next day. Yes. The next day they battle. Okay. Yeah. So they battle... And Margot is not easing up. And Fen keeps saying, like, let me stab you. I must talk to you guys about these child play knives. I do not understand them. What does it mean? Because Fen was beating people with them. And then she literally got stabbed. She had to pull it out. But she's like, we give them the children, like, the- <laughs> to practice. But what are I'm they? I'm
1: assuming
3: that I guess- she only whipped it out for this specific fight because she was actually causing physical no. damage to the other
1: nah. Because she requested them specifically from Bic when he said weapon of choice. And she said, I want my child's play knives. So I don't think she was actually killing anybody in the tournament. I think just besting them.
2: Yeah, I don't Aww. get the science behind I like it. That.
1: I Well, I don't think it is science. I think it's magic. I think they're just like charmed knives that can stab people. They're like death proof. I don't know. It kind of reminds me of the that Rick and Morty episode. Which no, one? it's exactly what it is. No, it's exactly that, Pete Thompson. <laughs> okay, <laughs> cool. Yeah, when they were in a force field, they yes. couldn't die, but it's a little bit, bit different. But I think it's different. just child play knife, they're magic. You can stab people, but they won't actually get hurt. I don't know.
2: So okay. this is where Fen gets her haircut because Margo goes straight at her and they do this move where her braid gets <laughs> sliced. And Fen's like, oh shit.
4: <laughs> if Angry Margo is able to take down a skilled knife wielder like Fen, Granted, Fen might not have been trying, but Margot was going ham in that fight, man. I feel oh like I was I was scared for Fen's life, honestly.
5: <laughs> my note says that Janet is swinging for the fences because she was <laughs> yeah, double I mean, hand, like full hip torque, like going after her with the axe.
4: Yeah, she completely forgot about the plan and was just literally trying to take, take Fen's head at that point in time. Could you
3: imagine if that was real and, and Margo just killed fucking Fen at the end of this fight? That would have been wild.
1: I thought oh, it man. was like uh, yeah, in, me too. At <laughs> the moment, I thought it was like, are they killing off Fen right now in front of my eyes? And I couldn't handle it. But luckily, they didn't. Kind of pissed at Margo because Margo totally thought that she did, and she regretted it instantly. But like, she yeah, that, killed that's Fen. This whole
3: next conversation, we just walk right through it because they, after the fight, they all get taken down to the werewolf cages, and it's you know Josh, Fen, and Margo all separated, and they're having this real moment where they're discussing, you know. Kathleen already said it, Fen was saying, oh, how did you know to grab my child's knife and all this stuff? And then revelations start coming out and then they start discussing what we mentioned earlier in the apartment about, you know, Elliot was the one that actually sent the letter that, that saved Josh, Fenn, Tick, all them. And it wasn't Margot. And she just, you could tell the guilt was kind of getting at her and she didn't want to accept any of this gratitude that they had for her. And then the the mood kind of just downward shifts from there
4: especially after she legitimately just tried to kill fen so the guilt's just piling up for yeah, her that's
3: what she admits and it's kind of sad and to see margo so defensive not defensive but just down and our cats hating her
1: she's admitting her fault honestly and her head she was lying about the letter and she felt that she owed it to them to give them that information but it finally clicks to fen and josh they're like wait a second you wanted to give up on us with regards to the letter situation. And then you wanted to kill Fen. Like, why are we even still following you? You're trying to kill us now. It's, it's a weird thing. I don't know yeah. how, how Fen and Josh are going to move forward with this or how Margot's going to redeem herself. I know it's coming, but
2: Margo is such an interesting character. It's she, she does a lot of great things, but she also does a lot of, I don't know. She, the way she,
4: it's her emotions. I feel herself. like self yeah, her emotions let them get the best of her
1: a lot of the time. I feel like, yeah,
2: no, if um, that's if that's how I would put it.
1: i I would definitely agree with that, but I think her personality is just kind of fiery and aggressive, and yeah. that can kind mm-hmm. of get out of control. Emotions get the better of her. Like I remember back in season two when she declared war on Loria. like that was her <laughs> call. And there was absolutely no reason for it at all. No like, reason for it. Yeah, yeah, She just goes way over the top.
4: But she is. A, I agree with what you're saying to Thompson. The fact that she's just a fiery, hot-blooded person. Like, you know, mm-hmm. she's just always revved up and ready to go.
2: I think I would say she does not let her emotions get the best of her. She'll make that kind of decision and say, even though that whole episode seems like she last episode seems like she was changing, like she was ready to do anything to save josh and then in the end she just decided okay i gotta do what's for the greater good she put her emotions aside and is trying to be cold almost i don't know she had time to like
4: process she had time to process those emotions whereas here like on the spot like when just like deton said with loria like she declared war on for yeah, no that reason. was
2: early and that was that was when she was but first. that was like
4: in the i'm just trying to say that it was like in the moment yeah. you know like it, sure she was able to process her emotions at that point in time but like in the heat of the moment sometimes it can get the better of her but that's just my thoughts
5: while watching this scene i i'll be honest i was kind of on Margot's side only because we get to see her last episode trying everything you know elliot yeah. wants to give up and she was like you know what is the the quotes in what conceivable universe is that is that it you know she was willing to try everything and then got down to the last stamp and was like well shit i mean it's either i save try to save my friends and f- probably fail or try to save fillory as a whole and have a better chance i see that so i think that decision's fine
3: but i also felt like the most for me personally emotional part of this entire storyline fan josh and margo was the like two second speechless glance that josh gives Margot after this is said and you never see josh like that like he was just destroyed at the idea that margot completely gave up on them and did not really not that she didn't care about her friends because like we're saying she went through all these lengths to try and save them but she didn't go far enough that you know it actually resulted i don't know i just feel like that josh being hurt hurt me and, yeah I I, I I see both sides <laughs> of it though because they're both you know go ahead be Tom's.
1: in this scene i think margot is also being a little bit of a martyr because like fen is apologizing to her like when this scene starts ben's Like saying, Margot, I'm so sorry when Margot just killed her. And Margot's like, No, you should be mad at me. Like, you need to feel those emotions. She's, when she was explaining the letter thing, Kyle, like you said, it's not like she actually gave up on her. They wouldn't have been saved if it wasn't for her perseverance in the beginning of last episode. And she didn't express that to them. She was just like, Guys, I I tried a lot to save you, but Elliot had the final decision. That maybe would have made it a little bit easier, but I don't know. Margot's in a bad spot right now. And, I think she's kind of letting herself have it
5: yeah definitely i mean she the quote she has in this scene is can i have a complicated emotion without having to resolve it so that you can feel better
2: oh such a good mm-hmm. line
1: and right before that does she not say i don't own josh's penis and i don't want to no. yeah uh,
2: and not mm, a good she, line i want yeah, I know so <laughs> yeah well, this she's is just hurt too She's hurt from, I mean, I know that Mark was in a possible situation and then she went all werewolf and th- talk about not being able to control your emotions. You're turning into a fucking savage beast wanting to kill or fuck everything. And then you find out that as much as Margot didn't end up being the one that saved them, like Josh and Fenn gave up on believing that Margot would save them. So she's hurt and she loves Josh as much as she, she loves that damn guppy. She loves him.
3: Yeah, she and, does. Uh, I knew that we could not get through a conversation about Margot and Kathleen not making the last word about it a positive spin on her, because that is just Kathleen's fucking girl. <laughs> and I was waiting for you to say I was we were not going to step away from that scene with us having face <laughs> taste in her mouth. You know, I knew she's right she's not
5: supposed to look great, I guess, because she's like, you know, fresh off the transformation or whatever. And she drafted the blanket and she's crying. Uh-huh. But. She looked amazing in this scene. I thought
1: she was she was rocking. I don't know what you would call that. That's like the Ariana Grande ponytail. This whole episode, I was digging it. The Mm. ponytail look.
2: Yeah, me too. Are we ready, folks?
0: Oh, yeah, good stuff. I'm scared.
2: I'm scared.
3: So now we're going to go through all of the Alice and Elliot storyline for this episode. And this episode is actually named after their filler request, The Mountain of Ghosts. Kind of went went through a little bit of the setup with Q's essence that Alice has in the bottle. They're in the apartment. Elliot finds out what Alice is doing and he jumps right in and says, I'm going with you. They go through the clock to get to Fillory and they're at the base of the mountain and,
1: at and the we get b- the sign
3: yeah wait what did the sign say
1: oh so there are <laughs> two signs one says beware of takers the other says adventure tours beyond the wall oh now 100 yards that way let's go for the adventure tours beyond the wall like well, that's
0: what we're looking <laughs> for the
2: best part about it was the beware takers no Fillorians beyond the wall it's saying like no florians beyond the wall but like hey if you want to go like there's <laughs> like the there's a um adventure tour 550 this way, and they um, but- have
3: their own little adventure guides at the base of the mountain. And the character Jan, <laughs> who drops the great Umber's Tit line right away, which is just Umber's hilarious. Tit. Yeah, so
5: but- good.
2: These scenes just keep getting better and better. Every single one, as my heart was just building, building, building for that tears on the cheek ending. But
5: yeah, I so- love the um, the Alice, the sips. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Has his little shoulder bag. He's like it
5: zips.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I have that same satchel, L. Love
5: it. <laughs> his bandana too. He was killing it.
2: That's
3: a good point, Kyle, because that's a huge reveal. Is that when Elliot unzips in puts Q's essence into her his bag, you see the unsent letter that was addressed to Quentin from last episode. Which yeah. I think you guys predicted that he didn't send it, right, Brian and Kyle? I think you both yeah. said it was more likely he didn't send it.
5: Yeah. Yeah. So- and we also said that we didn't want him to send it.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the adventure guy, Yan, tells them to fill these bags with rocks and dust. um, And you circle around your cam and then it'll protect you from the takers. And this man, this one
1: right from the uh, the campfire episode of Spongebob trying to protect from a (laughs) from a sea Sea bear. bear. Yeah, yeah.
2: (laughs) Spongebob next on the pod. I would be
1: so
5: in.
2: Do the campfire song.
5: What I learned in boating school is what I learned in boating school is <laughs>
2: <laughs> blankety, blankety,
3: blank. Is it hot in Mrs. Bluff?
2: <laughs> Holy shit. I was, I was kidding, but maybe I wasn't anyway. So this man warns them um, not to keep Quentin's essence or definitely to keep it close to them because not only do takers take people, but they take things And Elliot's like, let me hold it. The zips, as he said, I'm like, do not give it to Elliot, for the love of God. If anyone's going to put it the fuck down by accident and lose it. Magic
4: mushrooms, baby. (laughs) You never know when we're going to get that moment again from Elliot when he's in his grieving phase. You know what's sad
3: is that is one of the first things I think about when I think of a negative thing that Elliot's ever done. Like, that's my first thing that gravitates towards is when he was being a piece of shit and he just pops Josh's magic mushrooms. Oh, that was such a low for Elliot. Thank parents. God we've gone we've gone so far from there.
1: And that brings us to did we talk about how Jan tells them to like stuff their pockets with yeah. stones yeah. and everything? Because yeah. okay, cool. He does so, say in
3: this scene that
5: the takers only come out at night, which false? we find out is a lie. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> he's the one who gets got so he's a dummy. Yeah. Yeah. This is intense they through <laughs> like, they're like hiking up full mountains they're not it's not just like a trail they're they're fighting they're hiking they're arguing i mean this is some of the best the beginning of them getting out what their frustrations are with each other before they get to the this is like the surface level stuff So Alice believes that it's her pilgrimage. She's being bitchy and is like, I'm putting my boyfriend to rest and you tagged along. And Elliot says, right, because I barely knew him. Like, I'm just feeling this tension building in my chest. I'm like, holy shit. So this is where they keep fighting. Alice says, you're here for a mix of two things. You think I'm incompetent and I can't do it. And the guilt that because he died saving you. Oh
1: and And elliot's response is you are way too smart for me to ascribe what you just said to total stupidity so i'm gonna go ahead and file it under you must be fucking joking right now
2: the delivery oh this is a we have we
1: have the brains of alice versus just I don't know the snarkiness of Elliot. Like I don't know, he is so quick on his feet, but she is just like That's so what I was trying smart. To
3: say in the beginning, I just couldn't put words to it of what it is that mm-hmm. is like on par with her intelligence. For it's it's just like social,
1: socially, socially yeah. banter. He can banter with the best. Exactly. And this all just comes to a head elliot deals the final blow um but alice is just like this is hard enough without you judging me elliot says is that how you don't bicker because that would explain a lot about how you and q kept falling apart besides the obvious of course ha 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 like they're both being so mean to each other everyone in this friend group hits everyone
4: in such the (laughs) right spot like just to It's just so awful how bad they are at just torturing one another with just calling each other out.
3: I mean, a response to that direct quote you said, B-Toms, isn't it the line where she says, like, fucking you? And Margo
2: mm-hmm. drunk three
1: sums, Yeah. Oh,
3: and God, that one he says good point. He's like, not a bad point.
4: They are not afraid to hold back with this information, man.
2: I mean, he says that one time you betrayed all of us. I became possessed and Q died cleaning up the mess. I mean, that's that's the mic drop. Um, mm-hmm. He said, sorry, that was harsh. And she says, but correct. And he says, well, you also saved my life. So like they, they both know that they were just being fucking savage. And then they're like, huh, this isn't helping anybody. <laughs> but fuck it. That's exactly it. I'm and then- so
5: glad you guys wrote down
3: the quotes because I was too busy just going like, ooh, ah, ooh, when the whole scene was going on. I was like, oh my God. I didn't write much down about it either except like, wow, holy shit. But one thing <laughs> I did write down and I think I stand by it is I said that Alice needed to back the fuck off because I felt that she was the one that was crossing the line first and unnecessarily because what we know from the end of the episode is she already kind of knew about their special connection. So with that in the back of her head, she's just being testy and i guess just not accepting of it at this point and that's part of the reason right
1: she wasn't willing to accept it yet she was still probably insecure about it so she was mm-hmm. projecting those insecurities at Elliot, who called her on it because it is bullshit it's kind of um, funny
4: though now that we're talking about it it's just like it's such a similar situation to what Margot, josh and fen are going through in the sense that two people disappear you know they make a life for themselves and they go back to like their original lovers and it's like then we get this love triangle so it's like a similar situation for both of them honestly definitely i mean at this okay. point
5: it's funny that in the beginning of the magicians we get kenny kenny katie and penny <laughs> are kind of like the original relationship a little bit because q and alice aren't really on that level yet and now we flash to season five and we have two love triangles and then we have what a uh, Jenny twenty three and Katie's the only person that doesn't have a love interest. Really, it's just kind of interesting.
3: Yeah, because they took Eugene from us too early. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Eugene, <laughs> I can't believe you remembered his name. I couldn't remember it. I think um, we
3: talked about him way wasn't more on than any other podcast you that would ever cover. That
2: episode would have.
5: Dude, he was sick. That part was cool shit too.
2: It was really cool.
5: This scene ends with. Well, okay, this isn't technically the last thing that happens, but Jan realizes that they're getting in a little spat, so he's like, all right, you guys get your feelings out. I'm going to go roll me a smoke (laughs) like like the boss that he is, and then the scene ends with him getting taken by a taker.
4: That would just be me, just trying to smoke a joint in the middle of the (laughs) wilderness, just not caring about takers or anything, and then just getting absolutely murdered.
1: (laughs) I like I like how Jan is the kind of guy that refers to himself in the third person, because he says time for Jan to roll a smoke, I think is what he says. Time for Jan yeah. to roll a smoke, and he just dips. <laughs> Jan's my kind of guy, but gone too soon. Rest in peace. Just like you, Jin. Boy, this season, like there's a lot of stuff that pulls at the heartstrings, but some of these one-off episode characters, those are the hardest losses. hmm
5: <laughs> I think Jan would have fit in Jan and Eugene would have fit in well with the group.
2: We didn't get Spitting enough of now. Jan. You don't know shit about Jan. He's like stupid idiot. He's, yeah. he's <laughs> supposed to be the pro of the takers. He Two gets everything wrong. He's yeah, in the day and then he gets taken. But I
1: want to know more. How okay. did he find out about the stones? How that protects them from the takers? Like, how did he get this job?
2: I don't know.
1: How is he, he single-handedly out. keeping this business afloat of adventure tours to try <laughs> yeah. and take on the takers? And you want <laughs> you want to just put smut on Jan's name? How dare yeah. you? He Does he doesn't he have a family? He's an older gentleman. Did he? he
2: have doesn't a anymore. And that's what I'm saying. I'm sorry.
1: Kathleen, <laughs> uh, why don't you, so just, you just take, just take us to the next
4: scene? Yeah. So you just stop caring well, about Quentin because he's dead. Before we go to the next scene, uh, mm. Alice like runs away. Elliot follows, and she stumbles across a knife that's in the ground. Uh, like a fancy looking knife is basically the end to that specific scene.
2: Nice. The next scene we get, they're setting up camp. Elliot is uh, like pinning the circle down around the camp. And he starts hearing Quentin saying Elliot. And this is, I'm going to say this, but I have no idea if it's true. I just have seen the mosaic episode so many times that that clip of saying Elliot is when old Quentin sees Elliot dying and trying to get his attention and saying like Elliot, Elliot, I've seen the mosaic scene. I watch it, I don't know, once a week. (laughs) So, like, I could pin it exactly, and I went back and watched it today just to see if I was right after I finished the app. I'm almost positive I'm right, but I have no idea because I didn't look it up. But I think that they pulled that, and, man, if that doesn't just, like, pull at the heartstrings, make your blood run cold when you hear that, like, Elliot, it's like, my boy, Clinton. That's definitely
5: my headcanon now, so
2: there you go love to see it um but i can see his face saying it when you hear it it's like oh no but of course he puts the thing down and it gets taken (laughs) like of course that was never not gonna happen they made such a big deal out of being like don't put it down and then he he
4: put it it the fuck down
3: so was he was his magic not working because partly the hallucinations a little bit of the emotional tension with him and alice like if we just attributing it to a little bit of the internal circumstances. Yeah. I mm-hmm.
4: thought it was, I thought it was just because it, like his head wasn't in the right space is how I kind of took okay. it just because him and Alice were fighting all nonstop up the mountain. And then yeah, we found out
3: last episode from Julia, that internal circumstances, 100% matter for spellcasting.
2: Wait, what magic, mm-hmm. what magic didn't work when he was, he was trying, trying
4: to, to lift- pin, pin the circle down or something like that is what he uh, described yeah, it as. Put the yeah. bags
3: down for a second. Cause he wanted to like, you know, focus a little bit while he's hallucinating at the same time. So I think it was just a compound of all that stuff. And he, yeah, go ahead, Kyle.
5: i also like how he does the the classic takes the jag and all thinks he's overheating a little bit stretches out tries to redo it again <laughs> <laughs> so there's things like when you're like super hungover i think you're about to throw up you try to you know take a couple layers off calm yourself down a little bit
3: <laughs> and as that happens of course the taker comes right out and steals what's most precious to them they take the they have the bag with the vial and the letter in it and he starts running away taker that is and Elliot, just without thinking, starts chasing. Alice starts freaking out, saying, wait, hold on, relax, wait. And of course, like they go into this little chase and it ends up with the taker essentially being on top of Elliot himself and is about to kill him. And before he does, Elliot actually rips off the covering of the face. So you see these things are basically, I don't know, ghoul zombies, zombies. Yeah, they're pretty scary, I would say. And this is the first time we're actually seeing one up close. So.
1: We also saw that the go-to battle magic spell did nothing against it. Hmm. Right. We all know the one.
2: I would like to add that Seb is the hottest, hottest hot man that ever lived. And two fun facts. Seb is the original Russell Lightbourne, for one. The from actor, the Sean McGuire yeah. from The 100. And two, same actor who plays... Sir Effingham, Hargraves, McCubbins, blah 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 blah. He is the pig, isn't that fun? No hot? way. They cast him in both roles. Like, are he's you just... serious? Yeah. Just... I'd like to. Have think you ever I seen even... those two in the same room?
3: No. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to think he was cast as the pig first, and they were like, "Wow, this dude's the man. He's yeah.
5: hot." <laughs> Sir Hargrave, McGrubney, Cubbins, Archibald Effingham the third. You mean?
0: <laughs>
2: so every yes. next time
3: you see that pig look for the facial just to see if you can like see the actor
1: you look know. in
2: the eyes mm-hmm.
1: Kathleen were you calling him Seb yeah is that his name S-E-B Seb Seb oh I didn't catch that I just referred to him Sebastian. as guy
2: probably guy. <laughs> Sebastian but he says my name is Seb yeah oh that makes yeah.
1: sense cool I, didn't I even lead,
3: a... oh, we got to lead us into that but you know basically as Elliot's yeah. about to die Seb who's the stranger that's also on the mountain shows up and sends a spell at the taker and it actually works and it you know avenger style disintegrates him into nothing
2: hot
4: what did you guys think of the uh for the rookies would you guys think of the 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 takers was that like up right what you thought they were going to be a little different
5: i have no i mean it kind of looks like what the play like we talked about in episode one that they kind of looked like ghosts, ghosts. In the play. yeah so i guess like you know i wasn't shocked by how they looked i was you shocked they were
3: that- going to be sentient at all
5: i had no idea if i'm honest i guess i assumed it i don't know um yeah i will say that i thought that when elliot took off the thing like the cloth covering with like the the necklaces and stuff that was on its face i thought that is what killed it at first and then i guess we have you know later on that the mystery man explains that he killed it with magic um my note right here all caps This man is the Dark King, no doubt.
2: Yeah, great call. (laughs) Kyle called it. We knew he was watching and he called it right in the beginning. When Yeah,
4: he was texting us out as it was going. And it was just like, ah, that's a good call, but I'm not going to comment on it until you finish.
3: I want it so badly for the reveal to be in the next episode. So you could have made that call?
4: Yeah.
5: Yeah. Well, my exact words were... I said, yeah, this dude just that just saved them 99% the Dark King. I'm just putting it out there before I get to the rest of the episode and it confirms it. And then like a couple of minutes later, I was thinking about my boy, Todd. I was like, actually, no, wait, it's 50% this guy. And then Todd is the other 50% possibility.
2: You had it. You had it. You did. Great call. Great call. Because I didn't the first time I was watching. I did not call that.
4: Or perhaps you're just overwhelmed with all of the editing work. Well, we can help you with that also.
1: You can contact us at info at weknowpodcasting.com for more information. We're
5: excited to help your podcasting dreams become a reality.
2: Moving on, Seb is talking to them about the takers and Elliot's kind of like, I was throwing battle magic, which is why I was sending you guys the video of me sending battle magic the other night on Friday when I was watching. Um, His battle magic didn't work and he's kind of asking, we get this reveal that Seb is a magician from Earth and Elliot's like, why didn't mine work? And Seb says, this is really cool. It's an antiviral. Like it, it felt like a virus when it touched him or whatever. So he shoots an antiviral magic. I was like, that's the first time I've ever heard of that. It's really fucking cool. But then <laughs> moving on, they're setting up camp. They're they're like laying around and he gives them L'Orean bumble wine. And Alice is fucking tips it back. And Elliot's like, no, no, no. Damn, you're gonna <laughs> get blacked out, which she does immediately. Like the minute, the yeah. minute it touches her tongue, she is blacked out, which is in such a um sad emotional episode it's funny to see alice get drunk there's a lot of she's still sad and you can tell cuz she's like asking about seb he said he's mourning a loved one it's just like there's a lot of uh, grieving happening
3: here and can correct me if i'm wrong didn't they didn't seb say that his parents were from earth
1: he said his parents were magicians from earth um mm. and then the next question alice's drunk so she's uninhibited she says who like who are you here mourning or they ask him why he's here he says he's here mourning someone and alice asks you know who was it and his quote is it was the love of my life died ridiculously young but he was a magician and there's nothing more dangerous than that my dreams were so filled with him i was convinced he was haunting me and this is where your boy has a theory hit it. I didn't know his name was Sebastian, but like I think that's a false name. I think the Dark King is someone that we know or at least someone that we have heard of a lot since season 1. I think it's Rupert Chatwin. That's, that's a really good. Guess. That's, and a good, and that's I my that. I need to, I need to hear the reasoning, yeah. So when we go back to season 3 episode 4, Be the Penny. We see ghosts on a loop in Break Bill's West Dormitories, and it is a loop of Lance Morrison. And Rupert is also a ghost in this loop. They smooch, so they were lovers. And in that same loop, he gets killed by his father, who was, well, his last name is Morrison, but his mom's family was the McAllister's. This quote-unquote lover is a magician from Earth, confirmed. I think it all checks out, honestly.
5: I would say the only issue with that is that isn't the Dark King's parents magicians from Earth?
1: Or well, same Chatwin thing. The chat ones are from Earth. Are, are the Chatwins'
5: chat- parents magicians from Earth?
1: The Chatwins themselves are children of Earth because they were able yeah, to but he's he's asking, are do we know if
4: the parents are magicians? Like he said specifically, like my uh, parents are magicians from
1: Earth.
3: There's nothing I don't know, maybe. The
1: parents of the children, I guess. Right? Yeah, yeah, I
3: guess
2: not. Yeah, we either don't way, know what's I'll either be honest way, with you. That's a fire um, guess. And yeah. from season cool. three.
0: That's yeah,
5: I like that a lot. I mean, at this point, I well, guess the floor is <laughs> open for me, and my guess is that somehow this man is related to Todd. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'm down with that. No evidence Great at Great
1: follow-up. I hope it's Todd, but I feel like we've heard a lot about Rupert. We know Jane. We know what's-his-face, and we've only Martin. gotten- martin yeah uh and we've only gotten screen time of rupert in that ghost time loop correct me if i'm wrong so i i think they were planting the seeds and i think they're giving us this because the story lines up
5: in the fillery books is it martin or rupert who goes to this mountain in
1: the books rupert Rupert. they said earlier rupert was the one looking for it which also confirms that that's another
4: piece don't like it didn't we get to see eventually though like isn't Rupert like confirmed dead? I mean, like Martin killed him, and we get to see his grave physically in Fillory, right? That's some, yeah, I forget what's a
1: grave. We don't see no body chunk.
3: Good question, though, how do you attribute the time gap in him having have lived? He would have had to have lived not 300, only the 300 years. years, but <laughs> the entire time that they were in Fillory.
1: Like, uh, I happened. believe he is pretty close with a woman named Jane Chatwin who knows how okay. to manipulate time magic, but also. If he is anywhere near on par with the strength of Martin or Jane, I think he could finesse something himself. If anybody well, if you, could do it, it's a chat win, who's well, buddy buddy with everything in Fillery. Yeah. Go ahead. I Kyle. will
5: say that if it does come to be true, I'm into it. But I don't love it from the perspective of we've had already had a Chatwin kind of try to take over Fillery. And now we have another Chatwin doing the same thing. And I don't know how much I'm into that.
4: Let's put a pin in this uh, conversation. I like for it though. Now. I like it yeah. a lot.
3: Let's get back to the the conversation that Elliot and Seb are having when they're just together looking at the stars and they're just talking back and forth, you know, about everything about the morning of Quentin and the relationship between Elliot Elliot and Alice currently and why they're fighting so much, all of that. But bottom line, dude, this guy is a smooth talker and this guy fucks like he is just holy shit.
4: I really man. thought Elliot was going to hop on that. hop in those pants and just did
2: he yeah
4: (laughs) (laughs) they were getting real close you know he's like oh don't this doesn't the sky look really nice and elliot kind of just like lays down next to him like oh things are heating up between these two you just you just met this guy and trying to trying to fuck it was so good to see elliot laughing yeah that's why i really enjoy this scene
3: this guy gives me mike vibes like how elliot Is with him though, like too much Mike vibe. Yeah. Opinion,
2: but you know. Whoa, I disagree. I could not get into the Elliot and Mike at all. Even Margaret was like, "Ugh, dude, stop." I thought this was like real. Elliot was always making fancy drinks for Mike, and he's like, "I'll have a beer." Like fucking Seb is sexy, and they're just like laying on this blanket talking to each other, and it's it's good. It's good for me. This is exactly
4: the interaction Elliot needed. Someone who was outside of the group that he could kind of like vent Mm -hmm. to in a sense, and Actually feel and understand what he's going through right now and seeing Elliot, like you said, Kyle laugh and be able to put on a smile that was actually genuine just is so heartwarming to see because like this seems like the part where, okay, Elliot may be able to get over this Quentin stuff, you know, not that he, not that he easily could at this moment, but it's a good step
3: the bottom line of this conversation gets down to how Elliot sums it up, where he says, you're kind of like a shit stir basically, because what he's telling him to do Seb, that is, is to tell Alice about what was going on with the background feelings of Quentin and Elliot. And in my opinion, I don't know, man, I don't think that's the best of advice. It works out, I guess, because the writers probably decided to do that and have that conversation and make it not ruin their relationship. But I could have so seen that if it was like organically, It could have just crushed their relationship forever.
5: I do think he does make an interesting point, though, when he's talking about how honoring someone and getting closure on them, you know, sometimes means knowing the full truth about them. I think that's a really interesting point. The thing that he says to her is that he says, help her remember the real Quentin.
3: That seems like putting a bow on top of shitty advice, in my opinion.
5: Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I agree with him. I just think it's an interesting point.
4: My question was, Luke, you're saying that he shouldn't, you don't like that this guy was telling him to tell Alice the whole story? He just,
3: he just comes out of nowhere, psychoanalyzes their whole entire dynamic. He had no idea how in depth the Quentin mosaic thing was and the whole Alice Niffin thing was and all that. And he's just saying, Yeah, just go tell her that uh he loved you. That just seemed off to me.
2: Um, I think that Alice was talking about Quentin to Seb and Seb looks at Elle and says, Did you know him? And he just rips the shot and says good friend and and i felt that like that's that's hard and then the next scene when alice is drunk and sleeping he says have you ever had love and l tells him it, it, I, he tells him i mean it, it's obvious that it's painting l to keep it inside so he's saying like there's two options like elliot thinks it's punishing alice like why would i punish her even further i don't want to diminish what she had with q and he's just saying Exactly what you said like get the whole story like it's something she doesn't know and something that he can't tell her now like she's missing a piece of the story now and it would just make it whole I don't know I I totally agree that it's like if I'm the girlfriend and one of you was like sneaky dating my boyfriend in another timeline like married to him like yeah I'd be jealous and weird about it. Yeah. I, I don't know that I'd want to know, but... I, like, I get, you're you're playing yeah. a good
3: devil's advocate, and I know you... Yeah. Can, I could tell just by how you're talking about it, you kind of agree with my original point, but it's also... Yeah. you It can be seen from both sides. I totally get that. Either way, these two weird.
2: are sexy together. Sexy. But
4: I did, my first time watching this, I definitely... Seeing him and just be this, it was exactly what you guys said. It was Mike all over for me. It's like this perfect guy appears out of nowhere, tries to solve all these issues. Like, can we really trust this dude? That's that's at least my first thoughts when I saw this guy. I was like, you, Elliot's about to bang this dude. He doesn't even really know him. He met him for half a day.
2: Smoke him if you got him.
4: Yeah, I guess. <laughs>
5: I do like this little shit stir her aspect of the Dark Kings personality. though. I think that's really good little villain vibe he has because it's not you know so it doesn't come off as so nefarious you know but down the line he could definitely use that to get people to do some shit
1: i'm surprised because that is good objective advice because think about it if i was in love with someone they died like i i would want to know if that person i don't know if elliot was to speak his truth like he wouldn't be telling alice that q didn't love her because that wouldn't be true it's just that q also loved elliot and there's so much more to it because of the the mosaic episode they literally lived an entire life together just the two of them like i thought this was good advice
4: and i felt that was kind of and that's what i was talking about with the margo uh F- margo and uh josh situation it's like they those two assumed that everyone was basically dead and it was just them two and they're like you know living in this castle. They're They're going to be romantically involved at some point, you know? So
3: I don't blame them at all for banging. Yeah. I mean, it's like
4: you're moving on basically from the people that you thought, like, what is Josh just not going to fuck anyone else? Cause, you know, he's however old he is and he's not going to fuck anyone for the rest of his life because he's just thinking about Margo. It's like.
1: but Luke, you, you think that this is bad advice and that the Dark King is just trying to stir shit and, like, ruin both of their times?
3: No, I, I just think it was bad advice. I don't know what his goal, if it was okay. the Kyle angle where he's just trying to get dirt and actually cause conflict, or if I just think objectively it was just bad advice. But all right, hmm. we, we could be done with this. because
2: but It yeah. leads to an, an amazing up, yeah, scene. Up an
1: yeah, it does. Yeah. And this scene, like, first off, I want to say whoever is... What's the, oc- like a destination, like someone who plans for the locations, um, uh, a location scout, I guess they got the perfect <laughs> mountaintop or whatever to find this well, like the islands in the background, what location scout,
4: I just, the way you delivered that was funny to me. I don't know. You're good, man. I'm sorry.
1: Oh my gosh. I'm just so insecure. No, but <laughs> <laughs> this- you got it, Rook. You got it the scene was beautiful islands in the background reminded me of like our times at Santorini Our single time. We were there for two days. We're not bougie. It was just beautiful for a beautiful scene. Seb gets out of there real quick. He's just like, all right, like do your business. We can meet to hike down together or whatever. And Elliot kind of gives the floor to Alice and says, all right, I'll, I'll let you like have your moment with the vial. And Alice asks Elliot to stay. And they, they have this moment and, it's I don't know, did we even say st- at
3: any point throughout this episode the goal of going on top of this mountain i don't think we verbalized it saying that there is a well that leads to the underworld no, I, no, no
1: yeah that that was I established in the pre-title scene we didn't cover it on the podcast yet but yes there's a tunnel to the underworld that was established in the episode dude when alice is holding that vial looks at elliot and says do you want to say
4: something to him and his face is like holding in all these tears like his lip is like quivering like oh my god god do i feel for elliot here so bad i just
3: got chills right now yeah man. his his so intense just his reaction
4: alone was enough to put me to tears just seeing him so helpless here it was so upsetting
5: i think you can anyone who's ever been in a position to tell someone something that they're nervous about or you know say something that You know, it's kind of a big deal to say this out loud. And you know exactly how he was feeling in that moment. You know, the butterflies in your stomach when you're about to, you know, either tell someone some news or something like that. It's just, oh, he's so good at acting it out, too.
4: He just eventually says no. But like in my mind, I like he has the letter. So he does have his words technically
1: lined up in my mind. The bullet point I have here is just like give these people all the awards because (laughs) both of their acting in this is unbelievable i just like how he's going through a stage of grief he just looks up and it's just like i just wish we had went faster like someone locked the fucking door in that room so that everett couldn't have done it and it's just like i get it that's someone just like dealing with his shit right there on screen and hale appleman is his name like he he just crushed this scene both of them did
3: yeah, like I can't say enough good things about the acting for this scene, but I also want to point out, just off of the tangent you just said, B Toms, that the writing was also incredible because mm. I really like how they just went through the logical conversation about what would happen if they put that letter and actually send it to Quentin. And it, because we talked about it a little bit, saying like what the, what would actually happen. But then they start talking about Everett again, which is the main point is that Everett still would have had the entire absorption of the underground magic lake in him and he wouldn't have blown, you know even if quentin's alive and the and the elliot monster and julia monster are gone they have issues like a god is still out there with all the power that could destroy him and i like that they they flushed that out really quickly in a couple of lines and i was totally satisfied with that
2: this is one of the best scenes of the entire series and like you said it's it's between two people who haven't really gotten much FaceTime together since season one when they were brand new all in the physical kids house and it's just fucking incredible and moving forward when he finally tells her her look it matches the look he gives her when he says no he doesn't have anything to say her look when he finally starts telling her about the mosaic he wasn't just a friend he was more than that like her face it was knowing like she knew and she was like searching for his on his face for her to him to keep going. He says like, it, it wasn't just my friend. I, like you really didn't think I know, knew there was more. I knew Q really well. If anyone was messy, it was him and Elliot's laugh being like, yeah, yeah. yeah. um, And she, when she says he was pretty in love with you, I, I just like, I can't say it enough like our bisexual like king Quentin Coldwater he was such an amazing representation that really I don't see on TV like like this scene in general the fact that these like big epic love stories can coexist on the same screen like both of them being so different and yet like here we are watching these two grieve over this guy they just adored is amazing television and we're all just like better for having seen it and i shipped both of them throughout the series like it's it's honestly so rare not only to see like like bisexuality is rare but like seeing the guy be bisexual like have a relationship with a guy and a girl it's so rare and it's they did it so well and i fucking i'm grieving with these two while i'm watching this scene
1: i just love that at this point when push comes to shove Alice does not get angry at all. Like she's not upset because she is too busy empathizing with him as Q's former lover, because she's the only one that understands as someone who romantically was involved with Q. And I just love that, that they're having this moment together because they're feeling the same thing like deep down. And, you know, Elliot also kind of projects his insecurities by saying you know there was this timeline we loved each other for a really really long time but then his next sentence is and um so you know i promptly told him to fuck off and he died for me because that's that's what he thinks he did in his own head like he feels horrible for this he he feels like he's to blame and alice immediately comes in and says like i've done a lot of bad things and i've heard people like Takes all in the fact that you were trying your best. Like as long as you were doing that. I just love this moment for these two. It's it's wonderful.
5: The end of um when Elliot does end up saying, you know, and then I fucked him over and he died. And then he has that chuckle. And then that chuckle turns right into him kind of crying was just absolutely yeah. amazing i cannot believe that he nailed that emotion so perfect like he's acting but he's not because that was just so fucking real it was insane yeah
3: if we ever had the opportunity to interview hale appleman i think this would be one of the first things we talked about with him it, in terms of content of the show like this specific scene and just how he just harnessed the audience's love for Quentin and just expressing that in 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 a way that he lived a whole fucking life with him in the mosaic. It's just crazy so powerful.
5: Yeah, movie. I'm like tearing up a little I'm
2: like really tearing up. It's so
5: good, man. I just like this show, just I've I don't know. I mean, we watch a decent amount of television movies, different types of, you know, I, I fucking my audiobook, Wheel of Time, makes me tear up sometimes too. But this show, like, I've never had something that just like takes my fucking heart in a fist and just crushes it like this show does, man. It's just so good. They're so good at writing it. They're so good at acting it.
2: This is probably my second favorite scene in the series next to the mosaic scene, of course. So the fact that they just like name drop the mosaic in this is just so, uh, it's too much for me. (laughs) And the idea that he finally gets to tell, somebody about it, let alone the person that it would really matter to the most that that like you said would understand the best. Like if he told Margo about it, she'd probably be like, Quentin, <laughs>
0: like yeah. be
2: like bitchy about it. But Alice like understood. I and I love when Alice says like what should I have just screamed at him to be less complicated? Like they just understand our messy nothing cue so well. Mm-hmm. Just fucking love that.
5: I mean just to finish this out here, I love that they dropped the letter in together. And then they kind of walk away with their arms around each other. Just like what a great way to end this journey for the two of them. You know, they started walking up the mountain, bickering at each other and basically throwing out their own insecurities at each other. And then they leave arm in arm. And
4: just, I am so excited poetic. for Alice and Elliot.
3: Poetic, right?
4: There. And this, like the. The huge sigh that Elliot lets out to, like, as soon as the letter falls in, he just lets out this sigh. That you can just tell that fucking 100 million pounds of stress and anxiety just got lifted off his shoulders with that mm-hmm. so with true. that letter.
2: That was All brave. He was brave. Uh, he uh, like- yeah, Alice, like Alice it. says it. <laughs> <too much>. Alice, <laughs> is so
1: As they're walking away, Alice does thank him. She's like, Elliot, thank you for telling me. Like, I appreciate it.
3: My God, I'm sad.
2: Yeah. Just so good. Can I just say that as a big dummy, when I first watched this um, back in probably, I don't know, February, I thought that meant they sent the letter. I was like, oh no, they're sending it to the underworld where he could get it. Like, I was scared. And then I realized that they weren't. They're just (laughs) dropping it. (laughs) Get to send it in a mailbox. (laughs) (laughs)
0: The The
1: final scene, one of the best cliffhangers the show had given us. Seriously. So they, you know, Alice, Elliot and Seb are about to part ways. They're at the bottom of the mountain, but they both, you know, in their conversation, they find out that they're both headed towards Whitespire. So this guy, Seb, kind of says, oh, let, let's go together. And we see this, this, what would you call it? A carriage. It's a carriage. Yeah, but it's a, it's more than a carriage. It's, it's like, like a royal, a... like it's a royal. Yeah, yeah. Like... What's you can the see word? the design a royal I don't, I don't... progression or something a royal yeah. but you can see Yo, procession was... thank you so fucking much kyle whoever the a royal, royal procession.
2: procession scouts were on this episode were really
1: good <laughs> oh my god i fucking hate this podcast <laughs> <laughs> listen to different podcasts
4: <laughs> no, no no stick with ours we're the best <laughs>
3: but yeah, yeah you... quick quick question is this kathleen you would probably be the one to answer this isn't that the isn't there a never-ending carriage that goes around white spire
5: yeah that's why they uh in i guess it's season two that's why they need to get coronized they need the crowns because yeah. they try to get on it and they can't get on it and that's when q does the great line when he's like do i get to be a king and elliot's <laughs> like well i mean you know, it's either you or penny do you want penny to be a king
2: <laughs> nailed it all right let's go royal procession
4: but yeah so it, it, the the carriage arrives and Alice right away knows is that the Dark King's carriage and they're kind of just like looking at each other question questioning what the fuck's going on and as the Dark King is giving away his like goodbye speech it just seems so ominous to me personally when he's talking he like dabs up Eli like on the shoulder and it's just like Why? you know you can always talk to me and I'm just like this is not a good person at this point in time at least in my mind I was like this guy is knows exactly who these two people are and what they're going to do Okay, yeah. thank
5: you for saying that because I wrote that down. Of doesn't he know who they are? Like, no, the Dark King know who Alice and Elliot he, are?
4: I don't think face to face, no. But I think he can assume from all the the role playing that was going on that, like, I don't. Maybe I don't know. I really have no idea.
2: What other Alice, Alice, Elliot, and Quentin were there in the history of Fillery?
4: Yeah, it's that is. But I mean, that's all writing, you know, there's no pictures or anything. But like, I think after he was like, after he had that conversation with Elliot and Alice, I think he could piece together that. Okay. That other dude might've been Quentin. So here are my arch nemeses, you know, or something like that.
5: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I only say that because in the the play in episode one, they're all characters. Yeah. The dark King comes in and save basically, and, you know, saves them from their terrible rule. So I would just assume that he knows who they are.
1: Based on the play though. It leads me to believe that everybody is, thinks that all of them are dead okay and point. if you meet a stranger on a mountainside 300 years in the future of when these people presumably died your first thought would be like elliot and alice you mean the same ones that died 300 years ago hold on here
3: it would be the equivalent <laughs> so, of just meeting someone named martin and just being like oh my god is this martin chatwin when, when what are the fucking chances yeah. you know but yeah, I see what you're saying. That's a little weird, but
1: although he would totally recognize Martin because it's like ninety nine percent Rupert, who would never forget his brother. So. <laughs> I was
3: just gonna say that he he should
5: have said, Oh, Elliot, that was my dad's name because it's Todd's
0: son.
4: <laughs> <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> Damn. That's Love so it. Funny, but, but am I the only one who got like ominous vibes during this goodbye? Yeah, like Totally. Yeah. He was okay. not
1: the same dude that was sharing a heart to heart under the stars with Elliot. This is a guy who was just like, hey, I'm going to be the creepy antagonist for the rest of the season. Buckle up, bitch. I
2: thought it was and, sexy. When,
1: when they don the uh the, the cloak on him yeah, or whatever the fuck
2: cape, that was, yeah. it was so
1: badass. I, love I that.
3: loved it. And then it, it end, the episode ends with the quote of Elliot saying, looks at Alice after Dark King gets in the carriage and says, I think I almost fucked the Dark King. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <He shots laughs> right to the credits right there. He definitely so did.
4: <laughs> it's so funny
2: incredible episode oh just yeah front to back i mean i know the julia and penny stuff was wasn't too much but that was like what five minutes worth of the episode they're just giving yeah. us some, some stuff sprinkled in oh both sides Margot storyline Elliot and alice storyline really good really strong all-
4: this is all Kathleen, just drama out the ass this episode. So she just fucking was rolling through this one, I know.
5: Well, you, she tried to make a schedule for all the episodes, and you penciled yourself in for this episode from the get-go.
2: Yeah. And
3: episode five,
2: five, six? Well, I'm on the rest, so fuck it. Yep.
5: <laughs> whatever the other Damn. one is, it's definitely the musical episode.
2: <laughs> oh i'm not gonna tell you when that is <laughs> yeah you want to though but i did learn the the cool to be kind dance so we're all gonna yeah. be doing it for you guys on a video because i'm gonna teach all the boys and we're oh gonna my do God. it
4: Quick TikTok pause. famous
2: okay so now we've got the end segment of bang kill mary and the theme is impressionable one-off hotties we've got <laughs> bick pickwick from this episode, Jan. From this episode, and Eugene, RIP. From last episode, also Whoa. RIP. Jan. I going
5: to say, no RIP for the goat.
2: Two or three are dead as fuck. We hope Big Pickwick has a better fate.
5: Do we? Yeah. I'm gonna go first, yeah. and I'm gonna marry yeah, go Jan. First. Oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> Jan's just the man. I just want to know more about his backstory. He just seems like <laughs> that, you know tortured past a little bit just decided to kind of go off on his own he can't really deal with society well just wants to get high and hike i can get down (laughs) with that um i'm gonna bang eugen because if he's good enough for katie he's good enough for me (laughs) and i'm gonna kill bick pickwick because he is a sexist bastard
2: (laughs) i can go next i am gonna marry eugen because fucking hot marry love I'm going to kill Bick Pickwick because if I know a Pickwick, I know he's a sneaky bastard. You got to kill that guy. Smart, Can't but sneaky. Him. Can't trust a hoe. Um, and then I'm going to what is left? Bang. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll have a smoke. We'll bang and then we'll have another smoke and then just like we'll promptly and die. And then he yes. can tell you
5: about his tortured past.
2: Oh, love it. Mm-hmm. And he has a good job. So
1: <laughs> yeah, Eddie I'll hop in there next. I think I'm going to agree with Kyle. I'm going to marry Jan. Did you marry Jan too or just bang him?
2: I just banged yeah, him. I married you. Okay, Jake it's yeah. hot.
1: I'm going to marry him mostly because, you know, enjoy smoke with him. And he's got a flourishing adventure tour business. So he can just, you know, I can be a trophy husband. <laughs> uh, Eugene. Yeah, I'll bang him. He he was like a goofy guy when he wasn't being a sleeper agent assassin. He he was cool. Like we talked about how he would just fit into the squad. So yeah, I can bang you, Jin. and then Bick Pickwick. See you later, dude. The Pickwicks are kinda like stuck up, can't trust a hoe, all of the above, dude. Bick get out of here. So I'm gonna even
4: out the scoreboard here and uh side with Kathleen on this one and say, yeah. I'm gonna definitely marry you, Jin. Hot, as she said. <laughs> And yeah, everything else is the same as Kathleen. Bang bang yawn, and then kill Pickwick.
3: Uh I'm also going to follow oh, God,
0: this God, the tiebreaker baby.
3: I, I can't I can't not kill Bick Pickwick because yeah. I, I just dislike him and you can never trust an ancestor, a descendant, I guess, of Tick. You right. Know, he sandbagged our Elliot and Margot in their prime. <laughs> um I'm gonna marry you, Jin, and I'm gonna bang Yon. Yon's just <gasps> like a, yeah, yeah, a good color. That's all I gotta say. <laughs> Jin, though, he could do some questionable shit for me. He first of all, we're gonna vibe. Like he's got a great personality. Yeah. He likes to go to bars, clearly. He's the man. And he <laughs> could do some questionable shit for me and then wipe his memory. And I don't have to, I don't have to have the conscious. So he doesn't have to worry about it. We're good. We're gonna do some crazy fucking shit in the magician's
0: world. <laughs> that's that's fine. not bad.
5: Me, B, Tom's, and Jan will enjoy our polyamorous <laughs> marriage in the mountains while we get smoke and get high and just give people fucking adventure tours.
1: We got to give sounds yeah. lovely, actually. Yeah, it sounds Rook great. Rope and Jan, baby. Yes. Yeah. Jan. Bret, bret, bret,
4: bret. We got to interview Damn. both those guys and have
1: Could them on this imagine? podcast
2: now. <laughs> <laughs> we really loved your two minutes on the, the magicians. <laughs> <laughs>
1: they were great. <laughs> this well, was the- a
2: great episode.
1: Yeah yeah there were those two scenes that we just dissected the hell out of this was a fun one um, dude honestly this uh, like i'm looking at the time and it says like it's been an
4: hour and a half roughly since we recorded a little bit more but that honestly fucking flew by that time holy mm-hmm, shit love that. yeah
5: i guess the last comment i'll make if we're gonna wrap up is that can't wait to get katie back next episode
1: mm. yes sir and that's going to be our podcast episode. Yeah, keep an eye out for our continued coverage of the Magicians. We're going to be covering each episode, season five, week by week. Even though Kyle already ruined that Todd is confirmed the Dark King, there's plenty more reveals.
3: Sorry,
0: guys.
1: In for, as always, if you like what you heard, give town TV a big old follow on Twitter and Instagram. Visit us on bingetowntv.com and subscribe to our show on Spotify, the Apple Podcast app or wherever else you may find your podcast. Once again, we are Bingetown TV, and thanks for listening.
0: Peaches and plums, motherfuckers. Did I just fuck the Dark (laughs) King?